Okay. Cool. Okay. Yep. Okay. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna wait for you to stop, and then I'm gonna say hello. <laughs> go ahead. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Life After Mars, a Veronica Mars podcast. What do we do? We talk the mystery du jour, B plots, and our favorite scenes and lines. We won't spoil you on the season-long mysteries, but the mystery du jour is fair game. I'm Corey, your longtime marshmallow. I'm Sean, and I am sweating my ass off. That has nothing to do with the episode. It has nothing to do with the episode, but... but we are we are currently recording in a room that does not have AC going, and we are in Texas. And so if you live in Texas right now, you know that all ACs should be running. If you hear a humming in the background, it's a fan that I'm running to try and keep my dog, Kipling, who is asleep under the table, cool. But Sean and I are dying. <laughs> it is so I'm hot I'm getting a little bit of the fan, so... Well, I'm getting none of it, and I am dying. Well, you can live vicariously through my, my fan... I'm just dreaming of snow cones. <laughs> we're fine. All right. So today we're talking about season one, episode 16, Betty and Veronica. Neptune's school mascot is birdnapped just before the big game. And everyone, Wallace included, vows revenge. And while Veronica has found her mother, it leads to even more puzzling pieces of Lily's murder. So I know you get those from the DVD booklet sometimes. Did that one come from the DVD booklet as well? Yeah, more or less. I'm wondering where the birdnapped came from. Was that from your brain or from their brain? It's... My brain. <laughs> it might be their brain, but okay. I would have gotten there. I'm oh, cre- yeah, no. I'm creative I, I'm, like I that. I just, I just, I find your brain interesting. I like to, to, you know, the things that come out of it sometimes just completely, uh, they amaze me. Thank Astound you. me. Just I'm, get more loftier yeah. with adjectives. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. So it's the big game. Well, actually, before you get into that. No. I, I forgot to mention, I actually have a couple corrections oh, from no. last week's episode. Okay. They're, so they're not really corrections. Uh-huh. Um, they're just pieces of information I picked up after our last recording. Okay. First, we call this Sean's Insight Corner. <laughs> these are my insights. It's Is yet, it more Russian? Yet another corner. No, it's not Russian. Okay. So we had this whole piece about the Louisiana dog, whatever the dog was. The Catahoula, Catahoula leopard, leopard dog. Leopard dog uh-huh. And how he wasn't fixed or was he fixed, et cetera. We had a uh-huh. whole conversation about that. So... Megan and I started watching the series recently. Uh-huh. Megan's actually completely past me now. She's finished season uh-huh. one. So she's already sworn to secrecy. You, yes. You told her she was sworn mm-hmm. to secrecy. She, she cannot she, tell you. She will not tell me. Okay. Anyway, so first episode, backup. Mm-hmm. Not fixed. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Quite clearly on the screen, not fixed. So chances are that Catahoula Leopard Dog was not fixed. You don't know. I don't know. But the the whole theory. Also, the first backup in the first episode is not the backup they. I understand that. However, still the the whole idea of living in Bob Barker territory. Most of these pets should, especially a a pet of like Veronica and Keith's. You know, maybe because the typically the dogs that aren't fixed are for breeding purposes. And Uh also, a second thing I wanted to bring up. Remember Tom Cruise's real name? Uh huh. Tom Cruise Mathaper the fourth. Uh And you had this whole thing about people who put numbers at the end of their names. Uh-huh. Wallace is played by Percy Daggs the third. I was aware. Okay. I'm just your your love affair with Wallace Fennell. And then with Wallace Fennell. No offense, Percy, you're great too. But my love affair is with Wallace Fennell. I just thought it was worth pointing okay. out. I appreciate it. That's all I have. Can we get into the episode now? Uh, yeah, I okay. guess so. So it's the big game, and high school rivalry is on high alert. We're probably not so surprised then when VP Clemens summons Veronica to his office only to essentially hire her to find Polly, the school's mascot. She's been birdnapped, and their rival high school, Pan High, is the primary suspect. 
Veronica's up for the task, but first there's the matter of her fee. Personal letter of recommendation? I'll write it, you'll sign it. My own parking space and a different locker, preferably in the East Hall. The letter in the locker, fine. But you're not getting your own parking space. Can you get me out of PE? No. How about a few excused absences? How about one? I'm thinking three. Miss Mars. You're the one with the missing bird. Fine. Two. Veronica heads over to Pan High undercover, and it looks like she hung on to some of the old Veronica outfits because that tiny pastel backpack is back. So Pan High is complete opposite of Neptune. No rich kids, no yachts, no fancy vending machines, and they hate Neptune almost as much as Veronica does. In the lunchroom, she quickly spots the popular crowd, the jocks, and they welcome her with open arms. She introduces herself as Betty, so clever, and quickly steers the conversation towards basketball, school spirit, and rivalries. The Pan High team can't believe someone stole Polly, but whoever it is, they are their heroes. So she really seems to, to like Pan High. I think it's it, it speaks to her current state of being. Yeah, it's, it's her people. And it's her people, I, I yeah. feel like she kind of fits in a little better there. Yeah. She, and they're in the same district, right? So yeah. she could just go to that school. She could. I mean, now that she's got Wallace, obviously that's that, yeah. you know she's got to stick with Wallace, and he's not going anywhere because he's well. The... And sometimes you have to you have to go to the school that's within your district lines. So there's a lot of schools that are in, be in the same district, but your zone requires you go to a different. Right, school. but you can still go to the other school. You just can't be bused there. I'm looking into this for our daughter right now. Oh, okay. Anyway, it's a little bit different. I feel like in California, <laughs> uh-huh. in t- especially don't... in 2005. But especially in 2005. Yeah. But thinking about when I was in high school, we actually had to move back into our zone in order to keep my sister and I in our high school because Hmm. they found out we lived outside of it. And they were all in the same district. So anyway, let's not reminisce about that. (laughs) Moving on. But no sooner can Veronica maybe rule the team out a suspect than the stakes get raised. Billy, Pan High's mascot, has been goat By who, you ask? Neptune. And a few days later, they very dickishly send a package straight to the Pan High cafeteria filled with processed goat meat. Or at least what they want us to believe is goat meat, with a goat slash cowbell draped over the top. And I'm just like, those fucking rich kids. Yeah. <laughs> they think they're so clever. And that and was that's, a, a lot of meat. And that's horrible. It is horrible. That is a terrible thing to do. So at this same time, there's a bit of a nerdy small kid at Pan named Wilson, who's circulating a picture of himself and Polly, effectively taking credit for the heist. Veronica approaches him to see the photo and asks him to then meet her at Rest Stop 15. Now, Rest Stop 15 is basically a place halfway between Neptune and Pan High where people go to park, hang out, and get their hands on things. Alcohol, weed, car stereos. So that's why Wilson gets a little bit, like, flummoxed when the new hot girl is asking him to meet her at Rest Stop 15. I'm kind of surprised broad daylight. he didn't have, like, a... Ah, okay and he like scampers off he's so excited (laughs) but it's also where some people have been going to place bets for the neptune pan high game which we'll talk about in a little bit in addition to having wilson meet her there veronica also calls weevil he puts some pressure on sweet little wilson and wilson cracks he didn't steal the bird he took a picture with a parrot in a pet store wait a minute you went to a pet store and took a picture of yourself with a parrot so people would think you were cool yeah all right that's this close to taking a hot cousin to your prom. Yeah, and I, I really like that part because we already know that Weevil's a good guy. And he it's showing him actually showing some compassion for somebody he, he doesn't him go. know. Just yeah. some, some dude. Well, and he even says when Veronica, after Wilson drives off and Veronica comes out from where she's kind of been hiding, he says, look, I should stop doing favors for you because now I have to feel sorry for this kid. Yeah. And she's <laughs> like, well, if it makes you feel any better, I kind of hate myself yeah. now because he just wants to be cool. Right. Yeah, but being cool under false false pretenses—that's not how you. It's not how you, you do it. 
you need to grab your five minutes of fame, Sean. Okay. My five minutes of fame came in fifth grade. That yeah. was I peaked in fifth grade. Uh, have we talked about this in the podcast? No, yet? it's not really relevant to any uh, anything can, can that we we're talk talking about. about. It on the podcast? I mean, it had to do with like science camp, and I brought a teddy bear and I left it at the baseball diamond because one of our buses got there early, so we were playing kickball while we waited for the other one to arrive, and I forgot it, and one of the camp counselors found it. And it became this like weirdly treasured thing. And I was like super cool, which is the opposite of what you'd think a fifth grader bringing like a stuffed animal Mm -hmm. to camp. You'd think you'd get ridiculed for that. But everyone was like, oh, it's pickles. And she made it cool. And then I was like, oh, that's mine. And so everyone was like, oh, you're, you've got pickles. And that was it. (laughs) And then after summer, after science camp, it like ended. That's weird. Yeah. Anyway, so now that we've gone down memory lane. Let's get back to the story. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you had five minutes. <laughs> that was you it. Had your five In minutes. the fifth grade. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long time since then. So back at Neptune, Wallace is acting awfully suspicious. That's my dog. <laughs> Stealing apples and shit from people's unfinished lunches and disappearing off to his car. Of course, Veronica follows, only to discover that the goat napper is one Mr. Wallace Fennell. It's actually not just Wallace, it's like the team, and they're keeping him in this yeah. van, and he's like, I tried to keep him in the guest house, but he ate the rug, the sofa, <laughs> and he's and the billy goat's in the car and has eaten the- Inside the, of the van, just all the Inside of the van, all of the <laughs> seats, the stuff hanging from the walls, it's like a decked out shagging wagon. At first, I was kind of surprised to see him in the back of that thing, because- The billy goat? No, 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 no. Wallace. Wallace. It's not really his style, you know? Well, it's not his van. Yeah. It's his friend's van. But I did love when he he's kind of just gives up and like flops down into this beanbag chair and he's like, are you going to help me? And she's like, nope. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> this is all you. Well, right. you know, that's, that's what high school is all about. Having fun. Mm-hmm. And feeding goats. Exactly. So Veronica pursues another angle, the Students Against Animal Cruelty Club, when a fellow student pens a letter about Polly's cage status as the school's mascot. While talking to her and fellow club members, a video cuts into the morning announcements. It's a proof-of-life-slash-ransom video featuring Polly. The birdnapper's terms? If Neptune ever wants to see Polly alive again, then Wallace has to sit out of the big game. This sends Veronica straight after Weeble. After all, what we learned at Rest Stop 15 is that he's been taking bets on Neptune. If Wallace, their best player, sat out and Neptune lost, then Weevil would stand to make bank. But Weevil doesn't have the parrot. And he's also been taking bets for both sides, just elsewhere, I Mm -hmm. guess. And he wouldn't have helped her find the parrot if he was trying to keep it hidden. And I think this is a very frustrating thing because it's like, Veronica, Weevil's your friend. And you're doing this thing where you just immediately go to him and suspect him. And luckily, Weevil's kind of, he just lets it like slide off his shoulder. I mean, I'm sure he's no stranger to being accused of things. Mm -hmm. But I sort of feel like at some point, Veronica, you need to stop suspecting your friends of everything. So yeah, that may be true. But I mean, friends or no friends, he's still doing his dirty deeds, you know. This is true. It's not like, you know, just because he's friends with a PI means that he's going to change his ways. Just like in... You know, cop movies. The, the cop is friend. Or what is what's the, the famous Starsky and Hutch with? I don't think I ever saw that. Yeah, their Huggy Bear. I think is his name. Snoop Dogg played him in the movies, but he was back in the seventies and or eighties, whatever. Starsky. Anyway, so he's a criminal on the streets. So they get all their information mm-hmm. from. So like they, Doug Judy. Who? Brooklyn Nine Nine. I've watched two episodes. You gotta watch it. <laughs> anyway, so. You know, the cops being friends with the criminals, mm-hmm. they, they have a, kind of a friendship there, but it's like Point Break. <laughs> With Keanu and Patrick Swayze. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Have you seen Fast and Furious? They basically stole the script. Unpopular opinion. (laughs) All right, let's get back into the story. So, elsewhere, Wallace is pretty bummed about sitting out on the game. His coach wants him to play, the team wants him to play, but him and Polly, 
They've bonded in his time as an office aide. The bird eats out of his hand. So Wallace decides he's not going to play. It's not worth Polly's life. It just makes Could you I lo- love this man anymore? Exactly. <laughs> I couldn't. It's not possible. With Meg's help, Veronica takes a closer look at the ransom video and spies the number 13 on the bird napper's shoes. And Veronica gets that knowing look in her eye. She knows who did it. Mm-hmm. So our last shot for the mystery du jour is we're in the hallways of Neptune outside the gym with the big game about to start. And Veronica comes running in with the billy goat on a leash in one hand, the birdcage in the other, and an envelope in her mouth. And everybody's crying, go Betty! (laughs) And Clemens is like, who's Betty? And she's like, I don't know. (laughs) So that number 13, well, it could have been the popular player from Pan High that was actually really cool and nice. It was on his Letterman jacket, Mm -hmm. which we saw during the cafeteria episode at Pan High. But it's not. It's Jack, number 13 on Neptune's team. Wallace's friend and last season's big deal player, now eclipsed by Wallace. Turns out Jack has also been the one covering Weevil's bets and throwing the games in order to win a ton of money. Needless to say, Jack's sitting this one mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Case, mm-hmm. case closed. <laughs> so that's the mystery du jour. Do we want to jump into what else happens, or can I talk some more about how much I love Wallace? I tell you what, um, let's let's take some turns. I got, I got two things to talk about. One of them's real short. Okay. And, uh, before... and then I can talk about how much I love Wallace. Yeah. Yes. I want to talk about the Lily Kane murder mystery, though. Okay. Because there's a lot of stuff on this one. Sure. Mm -hmm. Because where the last episode leaves off, Veronica finds her mother. She does. Mm -hmm. Drunk at a bar. The episode starts with her tearing the apartment apart. Her bedroom. More specifically. In her apartment. And her voiceover. So she's kind of flashing back to... Clarence Weedman seeing them at the bar. And we talked about last time, we're like, what, is Clarence Weedman just hanging out at this bar all the mm-hmm. time? In Barstow. Yeah, I had to look up what the hell Barstow was. Never heard of that place in my mm-hmm. life. Looks like a very desert type of place. Yep, very arid. Have you ever been there? No. Do you just know it from Veronica Mars? I just remember her saying it in the episode. Okay. Okay. You just seemed to know it was arid. Well, it's a desert. <laughs> Continue. So her voiceover reveals that she thinks that Weedman has been listening in. Like uh-huh. she, he has bugged her room. And she thoroughly checks her room. Right. I mean, she should know where to look for those things. She is a PI's daughter. Mm-hmm. And then she starts thinking, is there anything that I have that I shouldn't have? Mm. And then she finds this panda bear pencil sharpener from the wildlife. Which is ugly. I would not have kept that thing. <laughs> I would have been like, this is tacky ass shit. You're going to go to Goodwill. Bye. Oh, I didn't think it was that tacky. Oh, it's tacky. Although I see that she still had the box. It looks like he made it himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like in ceramics class. Right. It's not even painted well. I don't I have issues with it. Well, maybe if it looked too nice then she would be suspicious. Or maybe he just didn't want to invest in his duplicity, not duplicity. <laughs> that's not the right word. Yeah. Deception. Okay. Anyway, continue. So, in this episode there's a lot of flashing back. We don't see the actual live interaction with her and her mother. It's no. all flashbacks with mm-hmm. her and her mother. We're now in the future. Right. She's tearing apart her room apart trying to find this bug. She finds it. So Weedman wasn't hanging out on the bar. Veronica led him to her. Mm-hmm. So she heard. He heard. He heard her book the flight to Barstow. But now we get a flashback to Weedman leaving the bar and her actually talking to Leanne. So Leanne's freaking out because Veronica should not be there. And right. she's she's trying to protect her. She's clearly very drunk as well. Mm-hmm. That, that's all we get for the flashback for right now. And she's about to smash the bug. And she's like, I hope Clarence Weedman hears this. Right. And then she decides ultimately not to smash it and instead use it to her advantage. Which is a smart move. Yes. However, did he not hear her smash the pencil sharpener to begin with? I was going to say, or like (laughs) take it out or put it back in. Like those things are very sensitive. Surely. Yeah, it'll sound like this. (laughs) Little sound effects for you guys. Sorry about that. Great radio. 
But it would. I think he would, unless he just wasn't listening at that time. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah. But so well, I mean, I clearly, I, I don't think he was, or he just has no idea what that loud noise was. Maybe. Next scene, sheriff's office. <laughs> Apparently, Lamb is on a fishing expedition, so she can go up there and you know just hang out without being concerned and there's another flashback to the bar at this point and leanne's drinking a cup of coffee trying to sober up which doesn't work by the way <laughs> it's better than drinking more alcohol i guess yeah so they're they're sitting there she's drinking coffee and mom's treating this just like we're catching up you know so how's the dance and mm-hmm. you know and veronica's like no fuck this i want answers mm-hmm. where the hell have you been what is going on and what you know what does jake kane have to do with this mm-hmm. at this point leanne's just like jake's innocent well, how do you know? I just know. And then she just lets it out. Well, I was with him at a hotel room the night of the murder. Bomb drop. Bomb drop. And then they cut away from the flashbacks. So you're like, well, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> like, so, do you just know because you love him deep down in your soul? I liked that. Yeah. That moment. Poor Veronica. This is a lot to process. I know as much as she wants answers, this, has got, this isn't easy for her. Right. So back to the sheriff's office. Those words just come out of Veronica's mouth again. I need a favor. Yeah. yeah, you weren't kidding. She she uses that twice in this episode. She needs people to help her. Yeah. She has no problem asking for help about the wrong things. Though. Right. So what well, she's asking Leo for the interrogate interrogation tapes Which from the is, case. That's big. He could get fired for that kind of yeah, shit. Yeah, exactly. He could get arrested for that. And I'm like, shit. Leo, is she worth it? So next scene, Mars, uh, the Mars apartments. Keith is approaching Veronica, um, asking about a call he got from the bank, saying that she was overdrawn. Mm-hmm. And my f- initial reaction to this was, oh, well, she just booked this flight to Barstow. Right. I don't know how much money she had in her account. So maybe, you know, she has a little less money in her well, account. Well, he did he did allude to it being her college fund. Mm-hmm. So a relative sizable amount. So another flashback to the bar. Leanne says that she just needed to talk to Jake. That's why they were at the hotel. It wasn't anything... Scandalous. Scandalous. <laughs> and I, I love uh, the quote here. On the one day all the Starbucks were closed? It had to be in private. But apparently a few days before, Celeste, uh, well, Ver- bleh, bleh, Leanne was putting away clothes in Veronica's room and overhears a answering machine message mm-hmm. of Celeste calling Veronica. So I guess Veronica had her own answering machine? I think it was probably just for the house. Yeah. Saying, Veronica, I need to talk to you. Because she was calling Veronica, saying that I want to talk she to you about your mother and your father. Jake. And so Leanne was just there to have Celeste back off. She's kind of framing it as, you know, she didn't want you and Duncan dating. And she's trying to find out some way to split you up. Mm -hmm. And if she knew anything about Veronica now in the past year or more than a year that she's, you know. If Leanne did? Yeah. Just think about how much Veronica's changed in this past year. And Leanne does not know. Because she's been on the run for a year. Right. And she doesn't know the young woman that Veronica is now. Mm -hmm. Another flashback, and mom's starting to have... Jitters. Yeah, jitters with, like, legitimate withdrawal. She is in deep stages of alcoholism at this point. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we mentioned this on on the podcast before, but I am a recovering alcoholic. Uh, I quit drinking about 19 months ago, uh, which I'm very proud of. Mm -hmm. Um, You should be. That's awesome. But I never, it never got that bad. And when I, I saw that happening to her, I, I, I felt so bad for, mm-hmm. you know, because I know the disease. I understand how progressive it is and where she is. And I'm so thankful that I never got to that point. Mm-hmm. But it's, that is something that happens. That is very real. Just thinking about everything that Leanne's been through over the past year. And it, at this point, I'm pretty sure she's gone for good reasons. Uh, she is protecting her daughter. Mm-hmm. And just having to cope with that. 
um, along with being an alcoholic. Like that, that's a dangerous combination, right? And there. being so isolated and so alone. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, isolation and addiction. And she's not are... like she's living what in motels. Like in the beginning, she had been staying with a friend, but then she skipped that. So mm-hmm. it's like, where has she been living? What's how is she affording all of this? Like I have no idea. Yeah. So anyway, um, she really just wants a beer, but Veronica just heads her off at the past and mm-hmm. it's like, no, you don't need that. I need you to tell me information. I need you to be with me right now. I need you to be present right now, right. which is not something an alcoholic's very good at. Nope. And then Leanne just kind of cracks and says, I, you know, I told her if she didn't back off, I was going to have a paternity test done Ooh. and take Jake for millions. So she knew. Yeah. And Veronica just goes straight to it. Are you sure that test will prove that Jake's my father? No. Will prove that dad is. I don't know. Ugh. Heartbreaking. Soul crushing. Yeah. Nobody knows, really, at this point. Which, for me, it actually kind of gives me a little hope that maybe Keith really is the father. Mm. If Leanne it doesn't know for sure, then nobody knows for sure. This is true. Because I, I was actually completely convinced that Keith was not her biological father. Mm-hmm. Real father, absolutely, 100% real father, but not real biological father. Gotcha. So flashback to the sheriff's office, or no, not the sheriff's office, either way, to deputy sheriff Leo D'Amato showing up with the interrogation tape. And uh, Leo is like, okay. And she says, thank you. And he's like, yeah, that's not good enough. Yeah, no, I literally aiding and abetting here. Yeah. So So you're taking me out to to a date. You were going on a date. Which I'm not 100% okay with. No, it's kind of prostitute It's a little bit. It's a little <laughs> bit quid pro quo, and I want better from you, Leo. You respect this woman. This 17-year-old girl. Yes. <laughs> that you're aiding and abetting in a murder case. Yep. And I don't I don't like it. I don't know. It, it, this downward spiral is really yeah. kind of bothering me. <sighs> I really don't want Leo to go to prison. And next scene, Veronica's making cookies and listening to the interrogation tapes. This is now, it's a flashback to the actual tape she's, she's listening, listening to. Right, the scene. So it's Keith interrogating uh, Jake Kane. Mm-hmm. Keith's playing bad cop, kind of, but he, he's just very cool. He's cool. antagonizing. Yeah, but he's kind of like. Because we had that discussion when Gretchen was on the show about how Keith is kind of Jake Kane's antagonist. Right. He's poking mm-hmm. the bear, and, and Jake's getting really frustrated well you want him to trip up right exactly so he's you know apparently they were at a hotel the night of the murder which Mm -hmm. we know somebody else was at the hotel the night of the murder Mm -hmm. i don't know do we know that yet yeah we do we know know that at this point anyway so they're supposed to be at a hotel the hotel the neptune grand at the night of the murder he and celeste were were together his rationale there is like you have kids you know you know how hard it is to find privacy Mm -hmm. so we went and booked a room at the neptune grand teenage kids yeah, just send them out. Yeah, here's Bye. 20 bucks, go to the movies. Actually, you have a trust fund. Go, to the, you also go buy have a movie. a giant house. Like, you have, I'm sure, your own wing of the house. Right. It, it holds no water whatsoever. Yeah, it's it's flimsy. So, and, and Jake is reluctant. He doesn't want to give him any details. He's like, mm-hmm. we're, we're, I'm there to have sex with my wife. He never comes out and says that, but it's obvious. That's what he's, basically yes. it. He's hoping that will be enough for Jake to be but like. But it's for Keith. Or for Keith. Yeah. yeah. But it's basically like he's desperate for him to believe it. Like, it's so not obviously true like not even if he's trying to give himself an alibi like he's trying to convince him that having sex with his wife is something that he does because you know the two of them you're like no like it's it do you, do you know what i mean mm-hmm. like he's desperately just trying to get keith to believe that that's something that they would even do right we've seen them like they're so cold against each other mm-hmm. yeah it's not a loving marriage where they run no, away to make love no yeah jake says you know the first thing we, we did when we got to the hotel is you know we settled in and they turned on the tv for background noise 
Like what was on TV? I don't know. We just put it on for background noise. Like so romantic, Jake. Like mm, you guys are... set that mood. Yeah. It's Judge Judy. <laughs> He's like, yes, she really does it for me. Yeah, that was weird. So remember, we're in the apartment while Veronica's sitting there making cookies, which is very characteristic of Veronica. And then she says it again. Hey, are you picking your mom up from work today? Yeah. Can you do me a weird favor without asking any questions? Isn't that the bedrock upon which our friendship was founded? Uh, the favor is to deliver a houseplant to Clarence Weedman's office mm-hmm. as a flower delivery guy, pretty well, much. Well, his assistant's desk. Yes. But yeah, it's to, his, it's to his office. Yeah. It's to the assistant's desk is part of his office, right? Sure. The next thing is now we're listening to interrogation with Celeste and Keith and asking the same questions. And she says that, you know, they were there for two and a half hours. Same thing that Jake said. But then the story starts diverting Mm -hmm. right there. You know, we're having champagne on the the patio. First thing. They brought their own champagne, which is weird. And she, you could see her for a second, like formulating. She's like, well, it was a special occasion. But Jake's story was, oh, this was just kind of almost like a routine. Yeah. We do this every Thursday, right. every other Thursday. Right, a non-special occasion. Mm-hmm. And then Keith's like, so what, was there anything good on TV that night? And Celeste's just like, we weren't watching TV. That's not the point of our... Which is her way of saying we were having sex. Come on, guys, just say you're having sex. Just come out with it. Yeah. We're all adults. So she asks, you know, why do we have to be interrogated separately? Well, mm-hmm. that's why. Because <laughs> yeah. you're both lying. Mm-hmm. Next scene uh, is Veronica's date with Leo. Which gets uncomfortable quickly, and Very we can talk quickly. about that in uh, in a minute. But there's another flashback to Leanne there, where Leanne is sharing with Veronica that uh, Celeste followed Jake to the hotel because she thought he was having an affair. With it, Leanne, I'm sure. With Leanne, yeah, or with anybody. But, you know, she kicks open the door screaming at them. But now Veronica is kind of thinking that maybe the, the photos of her with the, the gun sights, maybe it's not so much because of the paternity thing. Maybe it's because of... Um, an alibi you know something to do with who was where when because this is supposed to be around the same time mm-hmm. that lily was killed mm-hmm. anyway we'll get into more of that as more information comes but definitely um adding some information to the to the info bank there and then in the final little little chunk here um it turns out the bank was right so this is going back to mars apartment and we're getting another voiceover from veronica she's really broke um she spent all her money her college fund. She spent all of her college fund. She even goes into like, you know, that was going to be four years here and a year grad here, school, a semester, here. A semester here. Well, I think it was she has enough for four years at San Diego State or a year at Stanford or a semester at the Sorbonne. Got it. I don't it. think it was all of those I things. I was wondering because... No, I think it yeah. was like, this is how much money I had and I could do these three things with it and instead I've done this. Right. And so flashback and she's checking her mother into inpatient rehab. 12 weeks. By the way, four weeks is about... 40 to 50 grand. That's a lot of money That's, she's been That is a lot of money away. she dropped. And we all also know how much college costs. <laughs> yeah, even in state. Yep. So Veronica confronts Keith in so in, in her room, and Keith walks in, and Veronica says, I need to talk to you about something, and I need you to be honest with me. Mm-hmm. And then she brings up the whole, you know, why would somebody admit to a murder that they did not commit? Mm-hmm. And he's just like, damn it, <laughs> we've been over this. And he, he is sort of like, oh, not again. Yeah. And what I didn't realize at that time, and obviously Keith didn't realize at all, was she wasn't doing this for her benefit or mm-hmm. for Keith's benefit. She was doing this for Clarence Weedman's benefit. Mm-hmm. She had the, the bug sitting there on the desk. And But he does he does come out and it's like, you know, well, why somebody would do this? Well, for a lot of money. 
And so the question there is, and it's a question we've asked before is, well, he's going to die. Mm-hmm. You know, why would he need money for, for What's death? What's he going to spend it on? And something. Anyway, hold on. I won't get to it yet. I'm excited about this. Uh, so as Keith walks out the door, she pretends to continue the conversation and say, I think I know who the money's for. And she's like, okay, let's hope Weedman was listening and see if he took that bait. Mm-hmm. And then so she's listening in on the bug. And then sure enough, he picks up the phone and it's, he calls his, or he's talking to his assistant. I think he just goes out. Whatever. So he's, t- he's talking to the assistant saying, I need the phone number for Amelia DeLong. Long pre. Long pre, which I typed as long play earlier. You know, long play. It was a VCR thing. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Anyway, so she starts. She does Google search for who is this person, and she puts in her name and his name, Abel Kuntz's name, into the search. And the one thing that comes up, sure as shit, it's his daughter. Right. Which I called that shit. You did. If somebody wants to tell me what episode that was, but it wasn't an episode that I said he's yeah. got a kid. I think it's the one where she goes to him and she's like, I know you're dying. Yeah. Let me tell you what I know. Yep. It so, was that episode. I, I just freaking patting myself on the back. There's okay. a lot of mysteries in this thing, and I figured one out. Good I job. got it right. Good job. Anyway. Are we going to start keeping score? <laughs> one. I need you to make more predictions, though, so I can know <laughs> when you I've, were wrong. I've made predictions. Not a lot of them, but I've, okay. I've made some. You made your mid-season prediction. Yeah. Well, I haven't made any like big formal you know, declarations, declarations of, about who you think killed Lily Kane. Which we should probably do that at some point. I mean, feel free to throw someone out there. Yeah. I'm not going to react. I'm too hot to emote. It was. At the moment. Let's see. It was paramedic number two. God damn it. How did you know? <laughs> or, I was trying really hard not to react whenever you mentioned paramedic number two. Sunday receptionist. <laughs> Awesome. So you want to lay down some Wallace Fennell action? Let's talk about Wallace Fennell. So it's time for Wallace Fennell to shine. Wallace Fennell! And not as a sidekick and not as the guy who can get Veronica someone's file, but as the star of Neptune High's basketball team Mm -hmm. slash season. That's right. The big game is here, and Wallace Fennell is suddenly one of the most popular kids at school. He can't walk through the halls without high fives, fist bumps, shoulder taps, or chest bumps. All the Weird things. back rub things. Yeah. And it, it's taken some time, but he's found a place of his own, and it's allowed him to see Neptune differently. He knows that the student body has done Veronica wrong, which I appreciate him validating and recognizing that and not being like, you're wrong about everybody, because he's recognizing like, yeah, you went through some really shitty things. People were really shitty to you. But I'm just saying that not everyone's all bad, which she's seen before. Mm-hmm. Meg has echoed the same thing. Meg has embodied that whole idea of Mac as well. Not everybody's bad at that school. Right. Um, And I just really like the juxtaposition that they've kind of become. He's still her friend and her strongest ally, but he's challenging her in a way that she, it doesn't make her feel comfortable, but that's necessary for personal growth, which I think is great. I don't think he'd ever put her in an uncomfortable position. And I think that this episode is really important because I think it's a turning point for their friendship as well, because we also see through some things I'm going to talk about real quick and then kind of flip it on its head, that when you're friends with somebody and somebody's super into something, you show some interest Mm -hmm. and Veronica doesn't seem in the beginning to be very interested in anything that that has to do with the basketball and and kind of lumps it in this like well I'm anti-Neptune so whatever's happening at Neptune I'm not all for it Uh, for example we see her snarkiness start to wear on him as she turns it on things he's enjoying like his spirit box of cookies his sudden attention when Duncan congratulates him on a score and Wallace breaks it down to the b-ball street lingo Veronica laughs and tells him that he lives on the corner of two idyllic streets well so what's funny about that is have you ever been to pleasant valley uh in austin 
No. It's not idyllic. Like, it's the streets. It, not anymore. It's getting gentrified pretty heavily right uh-huh. now. But it's in southeast Austin. Oh, interesting. So when she said, he said Pleasant, or she said Pleasant Valley, I'm like, well, that, that kind of is the streets. Well, <laughs> in not, Austin, at least. Yeah, well, they're not in Austin. <laughs> they're in Neptune. Um, but you kind of see, it's like, she isn't even aware and I don't even think she means any harm. Like, she's just being snarky, sarcastic Veronica. But if you see the expressions on Wallace's face in that moment, it's I've been in that position. Um, I have a friend who I love, is very dear to me, but did a lot of that stuff in our friendship where I would say something and it's so dismissive in a way that kind of seeks to undermine something that's very precious or exciting to you and mm-hmm. trivialize it. And it's such a crushing feeling, especially when this is somebody who is so important to you. Um, so I definitely felt Wallace in that moment and how shitty that must feel. To, like, I'm si- finally excited about something that's my own thing. Mm-hmm. Like, not your investigation thing, not this can you do me a favor thing. This is me. This is where I shine. And you can't be excited for me. Like, that's got to be such a shitty position to be in. And I know it is because I've been in it. When Wallace even invites her to sit with his jock friends at lunch and she passes, it's like she's drawing a line even if she doesn't mean to. This world, his world, isn't one that she wants to really be a part of. And you can't fault her for it given how people have treated her. You can't say no, but at the same time, it's like for your friend, you've got to kind of find a medium. And I feel Mm -hmm. like Wallace, you know, given last week's episode where he's kind of calling her out on not really like, hanging or being present when they hang and kind of always working an angle or doing a job like he's he's wanting to have there be other dimensions of their friendship Mm -hmm. and it's almost like they've been friends all but always kind of on her terms right and this is him being like it's time to reciprocate Mm -hmm. um and i gave and one of the things that actually also bothered me is when she's at pan high and she's sitting at the table she hears secondhand from their team how good Wallace is. And it surprises her. She's like, really? And it's it, it's frustrating. Um, it's like, how could she not know that he was so great? Like, he's been talking about basketball for a few episodes mm-hmm. now. So it's not like it's a surprise. And I realize, I don't think she's been to yeah, she any of been his to games. Yeah, she the games and the practices or anything. And well, she's at practice because she's sitting there and he's practicing. He's kind of one-on-one um, well, yeah, with Jack. And she's like, do you need to rewind so you can kiss yourself? So she's, you know, there. But when it's being there to be prideful of Neptune she can't get on board and I'm like you're not prideful of Neptune go in there and root for your best friend Mm -hmm. like I hated my high school but if my best friend was doing something super successful I would totally go root them on Mm -hmm. it's a different thing Um, but what we do find out is that she's actually the one making the snickerdoodles Mm -hmm. for his spirit box which is when he comes over and she's full on making them and he sits down and he eats and takes a bite of one and then he kind of like looks up at her and she's just like ah and her (laughs) excuse is like she was on pep squad last you know the year before Mm. like she knows what to do and so that that's sweet like you you see that she does think of him but I don't always think that I don't know it's one of those things where it's maybe what Wallace is expecting isn't necessarily like they're not it's like the whole love language thing Mm -hmm. I guess maybe being told that he's doing a good job or that she's excited or being shown is how he wants to see that would have more meaning to him than getting cookies. Although he does appreciate the cookies, I'm sure. I thought the cookies thing was pretty touching. I, it was very touching because yeah. she's been doing it in secret, not being like, oh, I'm the one giving you cookies. You mm-hmm. know, I'm your best friend. She's just wanting to give to him and kind of dote on him in a way that's very Neptune pride. And I think that he 
because he sees everything that's going on. He he sees where he, his status, you know, he's raising in his status right now. And I think she's I think she's proud of him and happy for him. Yeah. But you know, given her personality and her character, she's not one to outwardly admit it. <laughs> yes, this is true. I don't think there's like a jealousy there or anything from her yeah, part yeah. at all. I don't think she's wishing she was part of that world again. Now seeing the true colors of a lot of those people, I'm sure she doesn't want in. But I'm sure it doesn't make her feel better. But then one of the things that I do really, really like is that at the end, after she figures out the whole Polly situation and she's out there in the hallway, Wallace goes running in. He's going to play now that they've got Polly back. And she starts to walk away and she sort of pauses and sort of does that. She weighs those two things like, is it? worth me getting over whatever grievances or gripes I have with Neptune as an institution or as the student body as an institution and do I just go in there and root for my best friend Mm -hmm. and she ultimately decides to go in there and root for her best friend which made me so happy because I feel like that's I don't know I feel like if she hadn't that might have eventually worn them down and it just reminds me that on a fundamental level she really does cherish her friendship with Wallace Mm -hmm. and it's just I get that with a lot of the other shit that's going on in her life right now it's hard to be present for everybody so it was good to see her making that conscious effort to be present for him also he's so great in this episode (laughs) I just love him I like that he's he's getting his own life he's yeah he's as a character, yeah, he's, he's living his own being life. Being much more developed. Exactly. Yeah. So what else do you have to talk about in this episode? There's some really uncomfortable love triangle stuff. Triangle it's not stuff. really a love triangle. But Meg and Duncan got together last They're episode. Dating. They yeah. are dating. They're holding hands and everything. Yeah. Veronica requests in her negotiation fee with VP Cummins to get a new locker because she is right next to Meg. And I didn't pick up on yeah, that. Yeah, Duncan and Meg are canoodling at her locker, and she's like, nope. And she gets a locker. She's like two down from Wallace now. They're neighbors. Right. I love it. I would want that. I'm surprised she just didn't move into his locker. Like, I'm just going to start keeping my stuff here. Thanks. Bye. Can you do me a favor? We had to share lockers at my high school. Did we you? had so many students. Yeah. I can't you, We shared lockers. She's giving me the kisses. She's like, let me out of here. <laughs> yes. Duncan and Meg are seeing each other, and Veronica is seeing them see each other. I know. And we talked about this last time. Obviously, she's happy for for yeah. Meg. Uh, she doesn't want to. She she likes Meg. She's yeah. They're all good people. And... I feel like her emotions are mixed and warranted. Mm-hmm. Like her her reaction to this thing is very normal. I feel like, which is just avoid it until you're comfortable enough with it. Right. You know, it's just it's hard to see face on. So let me just get comfortable with the idea, and then maybe we can have our world start to coexist again. Mm-hmm. And Meg is just desperately like, You're, we're friends, and I, I Megan's, feel we yeah. got something special here. And I feel like Meg is very much like wants to like a peacemaker, wants mm-hmm. to smooth everything out. And I appreciate her trying to make things not weird. But in trying to make things not weird, she is in effect making things very weird right. and awkward. And, and it's like, what does Meg expect? You know, I don't know, she knows Veronica and Duncan's history. She's just expecting, oh, okay, well, everybody's gonna be cool. Well, I mean, because Veronica did kind of give, did kind of get them together. Yeah. She did kind of like give them her blessing. I don't think she's expecting it to be cool. I think she's trying to make it cool. Like, mm-hmm. I think she knows it's awkward, but I think it's more of a let me do what I can to try and make this seem as normal as possible right. and being sort of proactive in hoping to not make it awkward. Right. But again, <laughs> in, in doing so there's there's no way to, to get out of the awkwardness there's that. really that's, that's none something, the only time can fix something like that <laughs> there's also the the date with leo right and they go out to this fancy jazz club like what, what, what kind of high schooler well first of all what kind of cop takes a high schooler on a date to a jazz club i don't this, well it's, it's like it's actually a gelato like restaurant 
Like it's a, it's a restaurant that has a jazz band that happens to be playing there. I'm pretty sure we've actually been at this restaurant location for a few different other things as well. Okay. So gelato. I didn't see anything about gelato. It looked like a he said gelato. Did it? When they showed up, he's like, he's like, I always get gelato or something, and she's like, I'm sorry, I didn't remember us factoring in a dessert into the di- the dinner date. Yeah, they, were, they weren't getting dessert yet. They were just sitting down for dinner. You no, they were they were going for dessert. They'd already had dinner. I don't think. And so. now they were having dessert. Go read that transcript, Sean. <laughs> anyway. You can correct us next week in the corrections corner. It doesn't matter where they were. But they were there. They were at, at a restaurant. They were at some kind of restaurant uh-huh. that served some kind of food. And had a jazz so, band. Yes, that had a jazz band. And also had a Duncan and Meg. Having dinner with. Jake and Celeste. <laughs> which must be hard, I wonder, for Veronica because pretty sure Celeste probably just hated her right away. So right. she probably, it's like. You never took me to dinner. Exactly. And that's got to be hard. Or maybe not. I mean, she doesn't, did, did it's you not really like wa- she likes Celeste. Yeah, want to have dinner or with Celeste. Or wants Celeste to like her. <laughs> but it is this idea of, you know, this is a depth to the re- relationship or the acceptance of it or validation of it that she never got to have with Duncan. I also can't remember how long her and Duncan dated before they broke up. Because with Meg and Duncan, it's been, what, two weeks? Yeah. And she's already meeting the folks. I mean, granted, it's high school, and it's not like he has to like take her home from college or something to meet his parents. And it's also Neptune. Like, mm-hmm. it's possible that the Mannings and the the Canes already know each other. This is true. Yeah. So anyway, so there's this awkward exchange there where Veronica introduces Leo to Jake and Celeste. Let's just all introduce each other. Yeah. <laughs> he like shakes hands, which I thought was very grown up. Like it was it a is. very grown up interaction. Like if I was in high school and that had happened, like that. We would have just pretended they didn't exist. We'd sit on the other side. I also feel like Veronica is very much used to existing in the world of adults, mm-hmm. given like the help that she does with her father and, and his she's business. Dating she grown just... men. <laughs> this is also true. Anyway, so and there's one more interaction between Veronica and Meg, actually having to do with the mystery du jour. Uh-huh. I don't think you mentioned it, or you may have mentioned it. But... I did. They look at the video. Yeah. Veronica goes to Meg to ask her about how somebody could have spliced the video in. And it turns out that they had recorded it the night before because there was no breaking news. Mm -hmm. So somebody, obviously somebody at Neptune, it would have to be, was able to get a hold of the tape, put it in there, cue it up. Yeah. So the important part is that she went to Meg for help on something. Mm -hmm. It was just one of those, you know, Veronica's trying to get in there, ask a favor. Get in, get out. (laughs) Get in, get out, ask ask that favor and get out. And Meg's like, "Uh uh-uh. You're not doing that. And I, I respect Meg for that. Yeah. She's... Meg's like, come on, I am trying. We can be friends. Like, let's let's try to figure this out. Like, you are still important to me. Our friendship is still important to me. I still want to be your friend just because I'm dating your ex doesn't mean we now go into this weird thing where it's like we don't really know each other. Mm-hmm. Like, we were friends first. Please, can we still be friends? Which I think is a really hard, especially in high school and even in adulthood. I mean, maybe, maybe it's just in general a really hard thing to do where it's trying to be friends with somebody who's dating either somebody that you liked or somebody you sort of had a thing with or somebody that you dated or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's got to be uncomfortable. I think Meg is doing the best she can and is now at a point where she's like, okay, I've literally tried. I've been trying. Right. Can you, are you, is this helping at all? Do you want to be friends at all? And I think Veronica does, which mm-hmm. is ultimately why Veronica stays and, and they, they do a thing that's the two of them, which is investigating this video and taking a look and hanging out as friends. Because I think that ultimately Veronica does need that friendship and she does like Meg. Obviously, mm-hmm. she wouldn't have taken Meg to the dance knowing that Duncan was there as the secret admirer dressed up like Ducky. <laughs> if she wasn't on some level okay with what potentially would come out of that. Right. 
Any favorite scenes or favorite lines? I'm, I'm going to pack all my favorites into my MVP today. Ooh, cool. All right. So I'll let you go first with your MVP. So. I got two. So I'll just, if you accidentally do one of mine, I'll just pick my other one. <laughs> so my MVP is uh, definitely in light of, of what I brought up earlier, um, given my, my own personal history. So my MVP is Leanne Mars. Interesting. Because definitely not on my list. I didn't think so, and this is this is very personal for me. Okay, like I mentioned earlier, she's obviously going through something, and mm-hmm. you know, in understanding alcoholism and you know the the disease that it is, and everything that she's been through, she really resists getting put into into. She rehab. does. She's like, I can do this on my own. There's nothing that I can't learn here in twelve weeks that I can't fight on my own. Right, and I mean, if she didn't do that, I would have. She might not be my MVP today because her daughter is essentially giving away her college, her future of a college. And you wonder, like, does Leanne know that? Does Leanne know the gravity of that? Mm-hmm. And to accept her daughter's help is huge. Yes. And that that's why um, she's my MVP. And it's also got to be... It's humbling. It is very humbling because here's your child. She's very much a child. Like, you're always your parent's child. But Veronica is very much a kid. And she's taking care of her mother in such a significant financial and emotional way. Mm-hmm. Just addiction in general, that that humbling. Uh, because one of the, the big parts of addiction is the, the isolation, which we already talked about. Mm-hmm. But also the arrogance, thinking that you can handle this on yes. your own and you can't. And being able to accept help and humbling yourself like that. Just her acceptance at the end to accept her daughter's help. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's very personal for me, so it really tugged at the heartstrings mm-hmm. for me. But yeah, I, feel very, I feel very secure in the MVP status for Leanne on this one. Okay. Well, my MVP... You would think as well, Spinell, <laughs> but I don't think I need to point out his MVP status. Mm-hmm. He just is. He was MVP in that game. He can't get two MVPs in this episode. How's very, that? Very good. Very good point. <laughs> and mine won't actually be an MVP as far as most valuable pirate because he's not a pirate, but I'm going to say Wilson. Is he the other number 13? No, he's the scrawny little kid who pretended to oh. steal Polly. <laughs> and the reason I say that is I feel Wilson very much from a from my high school experience. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is, for me, emotionally significant. It's just that idea of so desperately kind of wanting to finally have arrived or be a part of something, be popular or just not even popular, but just like have people talk to you. You get the sense that Wilson is just very much isolated and doesn't have a lot of friends and is kind of this nerdy kid. And to just do something to elevate that status. I know it's a desperate grab and it's a lie, but I think I understand his motivation a lot. And talk about capitalizing on opportunity. Mm-hmm. He's like, uh, yeah, that was me. Here's a picture. But I also wonder, too, the picture of the parrot in in his photo and, like, actual Polly are two different parrots. And mm-hmm. I don't even like birds, and I know that. And I'm a little <laughs> disappointed that Veronica, when she looked at that picture, wasn't immediately like, oh, yeah, that's not Polly. If Polly hangs out in the office with Wallace, would you frequent to ask Wallace favors? How does she not know that that's not their mascot? Uh-huh. Anyway. So, yeah, my my vote is for Wilson for playing the system. Because <laughs> I can't say I wouldn't have, if I had had an opportunity like that, tried to do something similar. I mean, I've... I mean, you should rise on your own merit, Wilson, and make friends and just accept who you are and be who you are. And the people who are worthy of your friendship will find you. That's what adult Corey is telling you, but teenage Corey would have been like, oh my God, yeah, I want to get in the picture too, because I just remember so desperately just wanting to be cool. I was just telling somebody a story the other day 
the little lies I've made up in my life to try to make myself look cool. Mm-hmm. And I think it was jun- Please tell me why. <laughs> junior or senior year in high school. And uh, I hung out with the car guys. And I had this 1994 Oldsmobile Sierra Cutlass S, I think. <laughs> the S is important. It, it, uh, for any car people out there, they'll know what that means. Okay. It, it had a pretty decent size. I really hope we have some listeners who are car people. So the thing was, my life. it had a 3.6 liter engine in it, which was pretty big for what the, the car was. I literally no idea what that so means. It, it's a pretty big V6 engine for the sedan that it was. Okay. And it, it was a cool car. Um, so I had this car and I would always hang out with the guys and we would drag race. Oh, no. Kind of. And anyway, so I'm on my way back to school one day, and I get this idea. I'm like, oh, I'm going to tell them that I drag raced a Corvette, and I won. Oh, no. So I get to the band hall, and I'm like, guys, 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 I'm so excited. I run out of my car all excited. I just, there was this Corvette on Key Avenue, and we raced, and and I won, and I won the race. And they're all like, yeah, bullshit. Ah. <laughs> and I, I never, I never let on. I just kept going. Like, and they're in, we're, then we're like rationalizing it. Like, well, maybe it was a smaller block engine or in that Corvette, or maybe there was something, maybe they weren't really racing you. There was no Corvette. There was never a Corvette. I made the entire Did you thing. ever fess up to it? I to never, them? never fessed up. And this is actually, so I, Are I you, was, is this a confession right now? This is a, this is my first national, nationwide confession. Con- so worldwide. basically, you're saying that I can't trust anything you say ever to me now. <laughs> I'll confess about it. I'm here. Gonna question everything I was you say now. 17, 16, 17, or 18. I mean, how much does life change though? A lot. I would hope. <laughs> but I've I've certainly done similar things when I was in high school, I can guarantee you. And they're like little white lies, mm-hmm. right? But I I can't even I can't even remember most of them because I think so often when you play back that memory, it like becomes part of your narrative and you forget what's what began as a white lie and what became part of mm-hmm your life's narrative. Our memory is a very tricky thing. So is the power of story. Absolutely. I'm going to close on that sage wisdom. <laughs> All right. So that's a wrap on this week's episode. <laughs> Kip says it's time to go. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can find us every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. If you're enjoying the show, please consider dropping us a rating and a review. That helps others find us. If you'd like to reach out, find us on Instagram at Life After Mars Podcast or on Twitter at Life After Mars 09. Hate social? Then email us, Life After Mars Podcast at gmail.com. Until next week, marshmallows. Ah, bye! <laughs> yeah, okay, bye. <laughs> was that a parrot? That was my parrot. <laughs> oh, that was a bad parrot. <laughs>